Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in the journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to our little series or string of thoughts on signs of the times, what will be happening, what kind of things should we be aware of here uh, at the end of days or the end of all things or whatever. It's not the end of all things. There's still a lot more to come, but we're talking about our immediate context of today's world and sort of since World War One, World War Two coming up to what the Bible says is the things that we should be aware of. Now, I said in our last podcast that one of the things that frustrates me about this idea or study of eschatology of last things is that in many cases when people write about the end days, they separate it from the rest of the doctrines in the Bible. You know, the teachings on prayer. The, I mean, the, the teachings about the church often enter in, especially when they're talking about the rapture. When will the church be raptured? All that kind of thing. But when it comes to sort of the basic principles of spiritual life and daily living, those sort of things are often not even considered in the equation. People talk about eschatology. They talk about the end times. And they tend to talk about political events, economic events, geo geopolitical events, military events, uh, health care, things like that, that the Bible sort of emphasizes as signs of the time, pestilence, wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, these kind of things, antichrist, that kind of stuff. But they tend to not focus so much on what is our response to all of this. And I mentioned last time about uh, a radio program that my mother had been listening to, and the emphasis of the speaker was on politics and that we need to be voting the right people into office and so that, that we can counteract this evil that we see. And again, the, the trouble with that is show me where in the Bible that some believer, some man of God or woman of God got involved in direct politics where they rallied people together to vote and things like this. Now, you could throw out Esther. She was involved in politics. That's true. And what did she preface her appeal to the king about? She prefaced it with the whole nation going through three days of prayer and fasting. And I don't necessarily see that as a major emphasis nowadays. So I'm not saying don't get involved in politics, don't seek the right people, but there's foundational things that need to be in place. There needs to be extreme humility. There needs to be a willingness to put your life on the line. Esther could have easily died in the attempt of asking the king for mercy for her people. She could have died. So where are we in that sort of spectrum? is what I'm suggesting. And I'm just throwing that out there. Usually the men of God and the women of God turn themselves to prayer. They turn themselves to strengthening God's people. They turn themselves to uh, being of service, to getting the gospel, to getting the word of God to spread. Four times in the book of Acts, it talks about God's word spreading. 
And so that's sort of the, one of the underlying themes of the book of Acts is that the word of God spread. So that is done through the gospel, that's done through discipleship, that's done through a whole variety of means. But let me suggest uh, an approach to understanding the end times that is looking at this idea of personality. The reason why people are drawn to certain films and certain novels and certain news stories is because of personality, of human interest, of the struggle within humanity to overcome and to get through something. My daughter, who is just nearly completing her first novel, uh, always watches films now and reads books with an eye toward what she calls internal conflict. And so she talks about it all the time. Oh, there's no internal conflict. That's why Captain Marvel was such a dull film, because there is no internal conflict. That's why people love this character, that character, or the other thing. So when we consider that, we think about Frodo and his ring and the battle that he had within himself that was portrayed just through his face on the screen of the film. And that struggle that he had at the end with letting it go, that sort of internal conflict, those are the kinds of things that people love about uh, the story, about the character, about the, the, the journey that they're on. It's are they going to overcome? Are they going to be able to succeed in the end? So when you consider this idea of personality, of the person, of... Um, the decisions that they make of the path that they're on. Let's apply that now to this understanding of eschatology and end times events. The Bible portrays the great conflict between good and evil as a battle of wills. So every person has a personality. You have a personality, I have a personality, everybody has a personality. Psychologists have been talking about personality tests and about all these things for decades and decades, if not a century or more, since Sigmund Freud, who is claimed to be the father of psychology, even though the Bible talks about the heart and the soul and the mind uh, and the suke millennia ago. So, uh, you know, Freud's not all he's cracked up to be. But, uh, but this idea of the battle of the wills. So there is God sitting on his throne, and here comes Lucifer. And Lucifer says, I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like God. So the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 38, that, sorry, Ezekiel 36, that, that Lucifer had it. No, actually, it's Ezekiel. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I want to say it's 14 or 28 or something like that. that he, it was within himself that iniquity arose. And so here he is, this super being that God has created. And this super being decides that he wants to depose his creator off of his throne and take that role. And when he attacks that creator, he wants to destroy his creation in the process because he wants everything to be made in his image. So it turns into this battle of wills and this driving desire to create in your own image. So God created everything and he gave us the freedom to choose. He gave us free volition. He gave us free will. That is one of the marks of being made in the image of God is that we have free will. And that 
choice that we make drives and dictates where our personality goes. So, you know, we talk about things that uh, affect little children as they grow up and there's foundational things that happen to people, the parents that they have, the things that they're exposed to, their peers, what other kind of kids are they around with, bad company corrupts good morals, things like that. Garbage in, garbage out. These are the kind of things that are clear uh, to gardening, to pet care, to animal training, to uh, corporate management. If things are inputted that are good and right and healthy, then the output should be good and right and healthy as well. But it's all about how we choose to, to do the thing that we're doing. How, what are we educating ourselves about? What are we learning from? What are we implementing in the environment that we are over? And everybody is over their own personality and are able to make right decisions about what they do. Are you overweight? Then you need to choose to make right decisions on how to lose weight. Are, do you have anger issues? Then you need to choose to learn how to control your mind, be at peace, that kind of thing. So this like hyper magnifies itself on a, gl on, a, on a universal scale when you have this battle between Lucifer and Yahweh. And they are contending with each other. So Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers um, and spiritual forces in heavenly places and all that from Ephesians chapter 6. And so we see in the world around us today that first it's the natural and then we learn about the spiritual. So in the natural world, we have authorities, we have bosses, we have CEOs, we have uh, all of these things that are put in place, government leaders, police, mayors, uh, justice of the peace, however kings and queens and prime ministers and all this stuff. You have all these different people who are in different levels of authority. You have your teacher in the classroom, under the principal, under the school board, under the state uh, department of education, under the federal department of education, so under the president. So you see how it's, it's layer upon layer upon layer of authority. I was just talking to my brother-in-law the other day and he was talking about, oh yeah, that would be my boss's 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 boss. And, you know, and he's just, he works at a bank and there's just these layers and layers of authority that go up. Each one is driven by a personality. A person embodies that position. There were a lot of people that did not vote for Donald Trump because they couldn't stand his personality. It ultimately had nothing to do with his policies and what he was doing as president, it had to do with how he presented himself, how he spoke to other people, how he interacted with other dignitaries and whatever. And so you ended up with people saying, man, that guy is just a jerk. I just, he just grinds on me. And he lost the election because he had a, a, a rough personality. And then the fact is that Biden comes along and he presents himself as a sort of quiet, pleasant, uh, well-spoken gentleman, and he won the election. And people didn't necessarily consider what it was that they actually were standing for. It went ultimately by who do you prefer, who, whose personality do you find more amenable or do you like better? And that's what happened. That's, what has, that's how the elections went. And this has been going on, uh, certainly in America, since the Kennedy-Nixon uh, debates were the first presidential debates on TV. 
and there were people that said, oh yeah, Kennedy looked better on TV than Nixon did. Or, uh, oh, Bill Clinton looks, he's more handsome and, and more well-spoken than George Bush Sr. when they ran against each other, and so he, that's why he won the election. <laughs> so Obama was more suave and sophisticated than um, John McCain was, so that's why he won the election. So you see how it's a major part of it is personality of, of the presentation of who you are, ultimately not how you want to see things come about and get put into practice or policy or whatever. So shove that up to a grand scale. Paul says, or God reveals to Paul, that the devil will masquerade himself as an angel of light. There is an image that will be set up, it says in the book of Revelation, that will be caught, that will be able to speak. So let's get back to eschatology now. Jesus says in Matthew 24, and let's go to Matthew 24 so that we have it fresh in our minds. I shall click there in my handy dandy phone. Uh, Matthew 24, let's pick up with verse 15. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. And it goes on to talk about making a run for it out of Israel. So obviously this has a first meaning toward the Jewish people, but let's think about what he's saying. Daniel, Jesus is quoting the book of Daniel, chapter 11, where it talks about, and 9, where it talks about the abomination of desolation. Now that sounds like a terrible thing. There's a, something is bringing desolation and that desolation is an abomination <laughs> or is of abomination. So the abomination of desolation, that sounds really bad, really, really bad. And Jesus says that this desolation, this abomination will be sitting in the holy place. It says, when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel stand in the holy place. So the holy place in the Jewish mind would be the temple. There's nothing more holy than that. It has to be the temple. So there's going to be an abomination that's standing there. Now, Paul gives more light to this abomination in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So let's pop over there and start with verse 3. Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means. Remember what we talked about with Jesus' sermon on the, uh, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24? We made a big deal about three or four podcasts ago about this idea of deception that it was a regular reminder of Jesus to his disciples to not be deceived. So Paul picks up on this and says the exact same things. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. So he's referring to uh, the day of Christ, it says in the previous chapter. Don't be shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as if from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So there was a concern in the church of Thessalonica that the day of the Lord had already come, that Jesus had already come, and they missed it somehow. So there was people spreading these false ideas that Jesus had already come, the prophecy's already been revealed, um, uh, fulfilled, and this kind of thing. And so they're like, oh no, we missed it, we missed the day of the Lord. So Paul's saying, no, don't worry about that. There's signs still to come that you have to be aware of. One of them is that there will be a falling away. 
and apostasy of falling away. Now, I don't want to focus on that right now. I want to focus on the second thing he says, which is, and that the man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. So Paul refers to him as a man of sin and a son of perdition. Judas is referred to as a son of perdition. But this guy, verse four says, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Why is he doing what he's doing? He's opposing and exalting himself above all that is called God. Isn't that what Lucifer wanted to do? I will ascend to the most high. I will be like the most high. Lucifer, the devil, wanted to be, he opposed and wanted to exalt himself above God and all that is worshiped. So he wants to be above all that is worshiped. He wants to be the top thing worshiped. So that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this is what it's all about. It's all about this personality. Lucifer is making somebody in his own image, and that person will, will reflect the personality of the devil, of Lucifer, of Satan. So just as Satan wants to exalt himself above all that is called God and sit on the throne of God on the most high, there's a human out there that, that Lucifer is grooming to do the same thing. So the spiritual and the natural are, are reflecting each other. This is why Paul says that we have to look first at the natural, then at the spiritual. So the Bible is there to guide us to look at the things around us in politics and in nature and in society and in humanity and see how these things played themselves out. Read the Bible and the Bible will then give definition to what you're looking at all around you. And when you read the Bible, you find out that in the spirit world, there is Lucifer, the Satan. He is against God and wanting to exalt himself above God. He is grooming a human to do the same thing because whatever he's doing in heaven, he wants to see happen on the earth. What does Jesus tell us to pray about? That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is telling us that we need to pray that the earth and heaven reflect each other and that what is good and right and true and beautiful and lovely and perfect in God is reflected on the earth. Well, Satan's out there trying to get what is evil and destructive and sinful and filled with hate and malice and selfishness and strife to be reflected on the earth as well. They both have their agendas. They both are moving among their people to have these things come about. It is a battle of wills. It is a battle of personality. I know who's going to win. And if you read the Bible, you'll find out who's going to win. So I'm telling you, read the Bible. So these are the things that we have to bear in mind when we look at the world around us. This is really the essence of what eschatology is pushing to, is to beware of men who are deceptive, who are led off the, the path of what scripture tells us to be led off of. The devil will disguise himself as an angel of light. We cannot be deceived by people's personalities. We have to look at what they're actually saying, of what they actually mean by the words that they are using. And that takes work. It's not a 30 minute, sorry, it's not a 30 second blip on YouTube or some soundbite or some tweet that reveals the true heart of any individual. 
It is the culmination of what they say, what they do, who they're with, what their aims are, what their objectives are, and where they're getting their motivation from. Is the motivation coming from the Lord Jesus through the words of Scripture, or is the motivation coming from some outside source out there that is taking them astray? They may sound good, and they may be saying the right kinds of things, but they have to be in absolute reflection of what the Scripture says in both word and and deed and spirit. Otherwise, we have to say, uh-uh, we're looking at what the whole of Scripture says. So that opens up a huge number of other topics about discernment and about, um, well, any number of things. And so we'll leave it for that right now. But I just wanted to bring that up uh, and emphasize that ultimately, when Jesus is talking about the end days, he's talking about the abomination of desolation being a person who has a following of people, and that person is then going to put himself in the holiest place of the mind of the Jew, which is the temple in Jerusalem, and he is going to exalt himself above all that is called God. And so as we look at the things around us that are happening, wars and rumors of wars and talk of worldwide currencies and talk of worldwide governments and all these things, we need to be careful about who the personalities are and what we are actually giving our allegiance to. So when we start giving our allegiance to some person as a sign of worship and respect and honor to them, that's where we draw the line. We say, no, we can't have this. Our allegiance is only to the Lord Jesus and anything else is of the devil. So that's your encouragement. Please read the Bible. Please read it slowly, thoughtfully. Read it together with friends. Encourage each other. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Comment on iTunes or wherever, Spotify, all that stuff. Take advantage of our mailing list, which I have links for on the show note page, uh, and also for our online course on how to understand, uh, understanding how to interpret the Bible. And I think you'll get a lot out of that. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember... To leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.